Welcome to the story behind her success with Candy O'Terry, presented by Boston Women in Media and Entertainment, sponsored by Tech Help Boston. We all have stories to tell, and that's what this show is all about. When we tell our stories, we pass along wisdom. We give each other a roadmap, a way to see things in a whole new way. And before you know it, we are empowered to say, if she can do it, I can do it. Do you know a child with a food allergy? The statistics are astounding for an allergy of any kind. One in 12 children in the United States has a severe food allergy. So what's a mother to do? Well, in this case, she starts her own nonprofit and raises $1.7 million to help find out why this is happening and how we can stop it. In the spotlight, Elise Bates, president and co-founder of Ending Allergies Together, also known as EAT. Elise, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. Take us back to the moment you discovered that your daughter had this life-threatening food allergy. She was three months old and broke out with eczema. It was very severe all over her body. And the pediatrician told us that this was likely the start of an allergic march, which included seasonal allergies, food allergies, and potentially severe asthma. Is there a history of a food allergy, anything like that in your family? And does history play a role? The data is not clear. We do not have a history of food allergy. We do have seasonal allergies in our family. And the data shows that one in three Americans have a seasonal allergy. And if you do, the data says that you have a 65% higher chance that your child will have a food allergy. It looks like that plays a role, but we're not clear how much. You have two children, right? Correct. This was your older child, your first baby. First baby. Covered in eczema, and the pediatrician says, well, we got to keep an eye on this. You must have been terrified. was very nervous. It was already nerve-wracking having your first child and living in a town where you didn't know anybody. Then to hear that she had this condition we had to keep an eye on was, was definitely scary. What's the first thing that you did then to keep her safe? I'm going to guess, obviously, you had to change everything about what she ate. We did. You know, she was an infant, so we really thought more about what to introduce and how to introduce it. The first thing you do is you just start calling everybody and saying, who do you know as a child with food allergies so that you can start to learn what you're doing. We're also very lucky that we had a pediatrician who was extremely conservative, really on it and available. He helped us with food introductions and things like that. But, you know, it was 15 years ago. We didn't know that much. At that time, people said, avoid the food. And now we learned that if you avoid the food, it can actually make your food allergies worse. We probably made it worse at those days. We didn't know. In terms of how you feed an infant who has those kinds of food allergies, I'm going to guess that you just have to go completely clean. You start clean. I think for people who have dairy allergies, I mean, you slowly introduce, right? So you go clean and you go vegetables, fruits, proteins, and just go one at a time and don't get any processed food because that's when other things can be introduced. I'm guessing that as she grew up, this also meant, or maybe from that very moment, that you had to turn your kitchen inside out for everyone in the family. Correct. Every The whole shopping experience is different. You can't let other food into the house. My first trip to the grocery store took me over an hour and a half because you have to read every label. You get better at it, and then you can, you know, now I can fly through and I know which aisles to go through, but the first time was uh, was interesting. Tell me a little bit about your community. You had just mentioned that you really didn't know a lot of people. Where were you living when she was diagnosed? 
We were in Dallas, Texas. We just moved there for three years for my husband's job. And I was still commuting back to Boston to work for the company where I was working then. So you felt pretty alone, huh? I did. But like anything, you just kind of put your head down and figure it out. Once she got a little bit older and you knew, okay, we do have a problem here. How were other moms? How did they react to you and to her and the whole situation? Thanks to other mothers who had gone before us, they had plowed the way a little bit. But most of my friends didn't think food allergies were a thing. They thought we were being helicopter parents and being too nervous and bringing her own cupcake to a birthday party or having her sit at the nut-free table at school. But she was anaphylactic to egg at that point, so we had to be careful about egg. And then there was still food in the classroom. One teacher brought in almond milk. And Campbell came home. I think she was in first grade. She said, Mom, the teacher says almond milk. You can't get mad because you need the teacher to protect your child. So you have to be really careful about how to navigate because it can come back and make life worse for your child if you kind of come in with too strong a fist. You know, I'm I'm hearkening back to my own children growing up and I'm remembering in the lunchroom the nut-free table. Kids being segregated. Right. And now there are changes where schools are saying, we're just not having nuts in school. Talk to me a little bit about how you've watched those changes come it is. about. It's evolving. And, and different school districts you know, happen at different speed. The trick shot is what used to be peanut 25 years ago has now evolved to tree nuts and eggs and dairy and seeds and shellfish. And so what was the top eight is now the top 14 because you have new allergens like mustard and sesame that are really wreaking havoc. I empathize with schools because it's tricky. There are so many potential allergens now that can trigger anaphylaxis that it it's hard for them to manage. You end up, I believe, in Connecticut, correct? Correct. Along the way, you and your husband meet Kim and Tom Hall, and it turns out that their children have food allergies, too. And in 2015, you decide you're going to co-found Ending Allergies Together. Tell us a little bit about the charity, the nonprofit, what you do and what your mission is. Our mission is very simple. When we met the Halls, they were going through a similar situation as we were. Their daughter had multiple food allergies, had to carry her own food to everything. She would carry her own frying pans on any trip to give to the restaurant so that she could cook her own food because things like dairy and egg are so pervasive in kitchens. We looked at the industry and did the math and said, there is not enough money going to research to understand this condition. We have the same epinephrine that's been out for 25 years. There are no FDA approved treatments. We don't know what causes food allergies. We don't know why the epidemic has spiked. There isn't enough money going to basic research to understand. We said, let's start a company just to fund research and use our marketing backgrounds and our medical device and pharma backgrounds to channel money as productively as we could to the scientists working hard. Only three years, almost four years have passed. You've raised $1.7 million. Congratulations. Thank you. We still have a long way to go, but it's, it's a start. Are there more allergies in the United States than there are in other countries? There are more food allergies in the developed world. Canada's 1 in 10, we're 1 in 12, Australia's 1 in 8, and that gets to the hygiene hypothesis. The sort of cleaner, the more developed the country, the higher the rate of food allergy. What are your researchers telling you? What are they learning? You've funded a lot of studies. I'd say our studies are showing us that gut bacteria has an important role in this. 
to your question about developed versus developing countries, developing countries are exposed and more on the farmland, exposed to dirt, which has bacteria in it. And that turns out to be very good for our immune systems because our immune systems have been fighting that bacteria for millions and millions of years. And then when you move to an environment where you're using bleach and processed food and you're literally processing out the nutrients that your bodies need, then it seems that they're not equipped to fight other allergens or things. So they look for things to turn against and fight. So that's why the immune system is is turning. We're trying to figure out which strains of bacteria we need to supplement ourselves with. We also need to understand how to diagnose the condition. We're making progress there. There are some companies starting to look at it, but we're not there yet. We have a lot more work to do. I also heard that there's a vaccine that may become available. It may. It's still in early stages. I think it's in phase two trials. So they're looking at the efficacy right now. Fingers crossed. There, There is more in the pipeline than there was 20 years ago. But as you know, it has to go from animal studies to a safety study to then an efficacy study for the FDA to look at it. What can look exciting in a safety trial doesn't it's always way down play the road, out, right? right? <laughs> there is more in the pipeline. That is the good news, which means the odds of things breaking through are increasing every day. Tell me a little bit about what your daughter has experienced with severe food allergies. I'm thinking you've probably had lots of scary experiences. She went into anaphylaxis at 10, and we didn't know what she was anaphylaxing to. We had known that this could happen, and we'd managed it, right? Because you can as a parent, and you can talk to your teachers, and they get on board, and there are mistakes, but nothing that had been life-threatening. We actually don't know what caused her anaphylaxis. It was two days before Christmas, and we had ham and potatoes. I mean, again, really clean individual foods. My husband had picked up green beans at a place and said, can you use a separate pan? He said he did. And she had a bite of green beans and went into anaphylaxis. The tricky part of anaphylaxis, it's hard to understand what it looks like. It can present differently. Some people break out in hives. Some people get stomach distress. Some people's throat starts to close. Some people's mouths swell. So you're never really sure what it is. But she had more than one symptom, which is was the clue that we might be in anaphylaxis. Her head started to itch, then she had diarrhea, and then started projectile vomiting. We gave her epinephrine called 911. It worked right away. Not your, not your favorite Christmas. Not our favorite Christmas. One um, bite of a green bean. Yes. Wow. Out of nowhere. So you try to flip it to be a life lesson. The good news is the fire department came so quickly. The ambulance riders are so wonderful. The epinephrine worked how great is that? We have a cure in our pocket. You know, you try to flip it to say, all right, we just got tested and it works. So now we know what to do. Well, two days later, our carbon monoxide detector went off at our house. The same fire truck comes and my daughter goes into PTSD. It was like, I can't do this and didn't want to go to school, didn't want to eat anything. I was terrified. Because she felt so fragile. Yeah, because we didn't really know what was in the green beans. My advice is, after going through that and hesitating, never hesitate, because there's no downside to using epinephrine. It works right away. It's a very safe medication. Don't hesitate if you have the chance. You have a son as well, two years younger than your daughter's name is Campbell, correct? Correct. Your son's name? Ricky. So you've got Campbell and Ricky. Ricky comes along, and you must have said to yourself, oh, dear God, please don't let this child have a food allergy. Please support our sponsors. They make this show possible. 
More than 30,000 families and businesses have trusted TechHelpBoston.com since the year 2000. Dave Almazian, president of TechHelpBoston, with the reasons why. It's really about forging a relationship and having a trusting relationship because your technology is very personal to you. It used to be in the old days that things were private. When you're online, nothing is private anymore. And we want to make sure that that information is kept confidential and with somebody that you trust and you feel comfortable with. You can trust Tech Help Boston to keep your computer and systems running right. Call 781-484-1265 or visit techhelpboston.com. That's techhelpboston.com. Yes, yes, and you're scared to give him his first nut or egg or dairy or, you know, you run down the list of the top eight, now 14 allergens. But he he didn't. Collective sigh of relief. Collective sigh of relief. But you know what? He is so protective of her. You know, he would run up when he'd go trick-or-treating and he'd run up first and say, Campbell, I got it. And he'd go up and he'd give a thumbs up or a thumbs down if she could go up and eat the candy. Like he just, he is like the police around her, which is great. You had just mentioned your mission. I know that you've got a very provocative PSA campaign. Can you tell us a little bit about it? The biggest cause of food allergy deaths is not getting epinephrine in time. There's a window between when you have a reaction and when epinephrine is effective. And if you have anaphylaxis for too long without epinephrine, you're chasing it. If it gets beyond a point, it's hard to come back. A lot of people for years, an allergist told people, if you have a reaction, first take Benadryl and watch. Well, the problem was people were taking Benadryl and watching, but Benadryl does not stop anaphylaxis. So then by the time they were using epinephrine, it was too late. We thought while well, we searched for a cure and searched for you know research that could help take the life-threatening out of this condition, we wanted to educate people so that we could reduce the number of lives being lost by food allergies. We worked with BBDO New York to come together and do a public service announcement about the importance of giving up epinephrine and going to call 911. Jerome Bettis, a former NFL Hall of Fame football player who has severe food allergies himself, was willing to star in our PSA about doing a give and go. He shoots a basket and he misses it miserably. But it's we wanted it to be a fun, entertaining way. There's so much anxiety with children and their food allergies that if we could make it fun and we could make caretakers say, oh, all I have to do is give and go. Because we grew up with stop, drop and roll for fire safety. There was nothing like that for anaphylaxis. So we had to boil it down to just what do I do and start the conversation so that when in doubt, people have a game plan. Pretty cool for kids also to see a superstar athlete like that and know that they could aspire to athletics, even if they have some kind of a life-threatening allergy. Not only do you have star athletes, but you've also got a star chef named Ming Tsai in one of your commercials. We do. And he was great. He opened up the most dangerous food truck for us in a PSA called Could You Eat? And he served poisonous food to people on the streets of New York so that people could get a sense of what it was like for people with food allergies to eat out every day. Uh, And it was a very clever announcement. And Ming Tsai just did an incredible job. You also have an undergraduate degree from Colgate and an MBA from Harvard University. Experience in for-profit marketing and strategy for some major blue chip companies has been part of your career. So I'm going to guess that you have used that experience as you've spearheaded your charity. It was a start and it definitely laid the groundwork. I'd say you're charting new territory every day. What you think works in for-profit doesn't always work in nonprofit. The dynamics are different. The incentives are different. 
the marketing's different. The budgets are different. It, it has definitely helped, but my learning curve continues to be very steep. Two families co-founded this nonprofit. How do you make that work? Who does what and how do you preserve your friendship as well? Oh, gosh. I mean, we work so well together. We just finish each other's sentences. We balance each other out really well. You know, what's interesting in the board that we've built at EAT, everybody brings something different to the table. That was something I did learn in business school. You know, you put a board together where everybody has a very specific thing to contribute. Kim has been a very talented marketer in her life. Her husband, Tom, is a lawyer and has been incredible in helping us get started. My husband is on the finance and investing side, and I spent time in medical device and pharma marketing. So the four of us- That's like the triumvirate. Right, the quad, core. The quadrumvirate. <laughs> well, I know, right? I just, I just made a new word. <laughs> I like it. But then we added more people who actually you know, helped us even more than what we had. Ellen Jane Moss has brought in finance. She spent years at Goldman Sachs. And Andy Goldberg, who's the head of creative at GE, brought in BBDO and some excellent creative work. So it's, you know, it's expanded for sure. $1.7 million is a lot of money to make. So congratulations on that. Give us an update on your children. How are they doing? They're doing well. They're teenagers now. So we're-, we're Do they still the like you? Sometimes. <laughs> we have to remind ourselves to carry our epinephrine, which is interesting. No, they're doing great. They're good kids and they're very happy. And as we talked about earlier, each life stage presents its own challenges with food allergies. And I think the teenage years are tricky. They're very tricky already. And then you add a layer into not being able to eat something. It's not something you always want to talk about in front of your friends or boys that you might like or teachers that you respect and that you want to impress. And you don't want to have that. It's an interesting challenge, but she's risen to it and she's just handling it beautifully. You know, Campbell is 14 years old now, right? Yes. And you go back to when you're 14 and you're so self-conscious, you know, and now all of a sudden you've got to carry an EpiPen and you've got to say, oh, no, thank you, Mrs. Smith. I can't have that. You know, you feel so uncomfortable, but you learn to advocate for yourself, don't you? What we try to do as parents, which is it's painful, but it pays off, is we travel. We go places. We send her to sleepaway camp. And she's got to learn how to navigate herself and be her own advocate. I can't do it for her. She's got to get her own voice. And, you know, she does it so much better than I could ever do. <laughs> it's incredible. You must have done something right, Elise. Just kind of let her go. She, she really knew what she was doing. What is your message to other moms whose children have severe food allergies? Someone who just found our podcast series and is saying, what should I do? How can I handle this? I would go online and start talking with other parents about their experiences. I think the stories are extremely helpful. Parents need their own support group because it can be challenging even with your spouse on how to manage it because some spouses think it's more severe and maybe others think it's less. How do we really parent around this? How, how structured do we be? Start talking because the more people who know, the more people can help you. And I would also say find a good allergist because they're going to be your best friend in terms of helping you navigate. The next set of questions we ask everyone who sits where you are today on the story behind her success. What is mother love and how did you change when you became a mom? Mother love, it's a beautiful thing because all you want to do is protect your children. You'll do anything for them, right? You'll start a nonprofit when you have no idea what you're doing. Stay up nights and just do as much work and put your head down 
But then there's this piece of it that's so hard is letting them go and figuring out themselves. That's hard when it's a friendship, when it's a life-threatening consequence versus my child might not be popular for this week adds a little bit more to that dynamic. So that's been a balance. And that's been something I've been grateful to my husband for because we've supported each other through that. But I would say letting them go with parameters but still being available has been the hardest thing. When an obstacle is in your path, how do you get around it? Typically, I've gone at it directly. (laughs) Whether that's good or bad, I don't know. But I try to put all the resources that I have to, to go at it as quickly as possible. Adversity, they say, is a great teacher. What has been the lesson here for you? The lesson for me and my partner who founded EAT said this to me once because, as I just said to you, I go at problems and I want them solved yesterday. And she said, Elise, give time time. I am not very good at doing that. Darn it, she was right. Some things just have their own timeline. And no matter how much you try to force it, it doesn't move. You just kind of redirect and say, I've done all I can do at this point. Now I'm going to work on something else. And the other miraculously solves itself because I got out of the way. I would say Kim Hall taught me that and I will never forget it. And it's made me a better mom and business person, I think. Let's flash forward to 10 years from now and your beautiful Campbell is 24 years old. What are your hopes for her? My hopes for her, I just hope she's happy and she has good friends. Because I think if you are happy with what you're doing and how you're spending your time every day, you will do what you need to do to take care of yourself. And that's what I hope for Campbell and from Ricky, one with food allergies, one without. I think that's the most important thing you can do. And if you've got friends who surround you, who really love you, you can take care of each other. And the same question for ending allergies together 10 years from now. What do you hope? I hope we've been able to take the life-threatening out of food allergies. I think people, our allergic response as part of our, our human system may take longer to address from a basic science perspective. If we can take the life-threatening out, that's my goal in 10 years. At this moment, at this time in your life, Elise, tell me what does success look like? What does it mean to you? Success for me is really just trying to make a difference and help push it forward. You said when my daughter's 24, what went through my head initially was, I hope she doesn't have children with food allergies because they might be more severe. So if we can cure it before you know, my grandchildren are now fighting this fight and my daughter has to go through this, that would be ideal. I love spending time with my family and having quality time. Then I think we can just take care of each other and things happen to fall into place. And give time time. Give time time. I'll keep working on that Thank you so much for being this week's guest on The Story Behind Her Success. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to The Story Behind Her Success with Candy O'Terry. This is a series with one goal in mind, to shine the spotlight on women doing great things with their lives. We hope these weekly stories will motivate and inspire you. If you'd like to suggest someone for Candy to interview, she'd love to hear about it. Connect with her anytime on Facebook, Twitter, and her website, CandyOterry.com. That's C-A-N-D-Y-O-T-E-R-R-Y.com. You'll find all of these links in the show notes. What's your story? 